there. Welcome, Nerdy Knights of the Well-Rounded Table Board Bohemian Geek Studies Millennium Fandom. I'm Jedi Master and Rebel Scum collaborator Colleen McMillan. I'd like to be a member of the Myth family also, but they're pretty suspicious of outsiders. Yeah, I don't know if that would work. I mean, maybe you could be a married adoptive eventually. I don't know. If Eli can't do it, though, I don't think you can. I could just marry no Eli offense. and be in. That's fine. <laughs> And I am Pirate Jedi, Anders Drew. You know, between Colleen and I, we run the gambit up from knight up to master. But no matter what your rank, one thing will always remain the same. Much to learn, we still have. Mm-hmm. We're back with Thrawn. And hopefully Thrawn will be actually back with us someday. Maybe soon, you never know. Please, please, please. I don't know if it'll be on The Mandalorian. Maybe, maybe, maybe not, but we'll we'll get there eventually. On today's episode, we're going to be covering the Master and Apprentice section, Thrawn Special Edition. So it's going to be all Thrawn-centric all the time today. And to state the obvious, of course, this episode is spoiler-filled. So if you haven't met Thrawn yet, watch Rebels, read his books, and come back later. Or just hang out with us. That's fine. Get to know Thrawn through these really insightful questions we've gotten from people. So... If you're ready, grab your favorite drink from the cantina and prepare to relax and engage your minds with us. Anders, are you ready to punch it? As Hondo would say, how could you even ask me that? A Jedi is always ready. Let's do this. Especially a pirate Jedi. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We are going to be in control, even though our queen of queries is not here. Yes. (laughs) So we're going to jump right into Master and Apprentice, Thrawn edition. Question one, Jedi Master Matt Harrington, he of the great questions, asked whether we think Thrawn is a hero, an anti-hero, or a villain. Mm, This is going to be good. Anders, do you want to go first? (laughs) So to get some sentiment from Master Obi-Wan, it's all from a certain point of view. And in that sense, I'm going to go on record as saying Thrawn is a straight-up villain. He is a villain of the franchise. (laughs) Um... Yes, in his own in his books in the Thrawn trilogy and Chaos Rising and several of the Legends books, you do start to kind of root for him. You you know, you don't want him to be undermined. You want him to advance in the Imperial Navy. You don't want him to become an outcast among the Chiss. But all the actual real actions, remember, we never really get his POV. That's a key point. Mm-hmm. And you know, all of his actions, that Rebels finale, when he just starts firing on civilians for the sake of it, to try and get Ezra, to deliver Ezra to the Emperor, he plunders their art and their culture. It just, he is, he is actually a villain. And the fact that we have things centered around him where we start to root for him, I will just say, always remember, especially in fantasy stories and even in real life, villains are always the heroes of their own story that's one of the things that make them compelling villains Mm -hmm. so i'm saying thrawn's a villain straight up and thrawn would definitely agree with you that he is the hero of his story (laughs) yes he definitely (laughs) would completely um i am going to go with anti-hero because like you said we start to root for him even if we don't want to (laughs) it's one of those things it was really strange because i started with canon thrawn and he in that is not the viewpoint character, but his, you're still rooting for him as a protagonist because mm-hmm. everybody else fucking sucks. You're like, yay, Eli, you're adorable. And also here's Thrawn. He's not racist. He's not as bad as Palpatine. Yeah, but in there, you're Vader. also, at some, at some point, you're like rooting for him and Vader to work cooperatively together. And it's like, no, this is only, a bad thing for the universe. Keep, only to keep Thrawn alive. I was like, ah, Anakin, <laughs> that's, you could die now that's fine i mean he can't because he has to face his son and his past and whatnot but in alliances i pretty much was only rooting for because <laughs> anakin pisses me off y'all anakin pisses me off completely Mm-mm. um plus i think thrawn actually does have the universe's best interest in at heart i think he has he, the chiss's best interest at heart i think he's galaxy-wide now because it will help the Chiss in the long run, but I think he's also kind of in that state of mind where he's like, oh, I kind of like some of these other aliens too. Let's not let everyone die. Oh, I we'll get that, into that later. I know. I mean, <laughs> the only thing I would say because of that is when he's younger, when he's like up on Flight Thrawn or Chaos Rising Thrawn, when he is um, 
saying how he wishes that he could see people as people because he knows that's what he's supposed to feel or how he's like let's not kill the slaves in the slave bubbles outside the ship like let's not do that and he also is like we should fight for these people like why how can we just stand here and let them be captured he argues a lot with people about that including arlani he's like well why shouldn't we help them? And she's like, because it's a preemptive strike. And he's like, well, that's bullshit. These people need our help. So that that's the one thing that makes me swoop, swing more towards center anti-villain villain. But in Heir to the Empire, I think he's straight up villain. Yeah. And that's huge. <sighs> he is so cold in the Heir trilogy. It's like, okay, Young Thrawn had like some idealism. He was hoping to save his people and save the galaxy as apparently well. so did then, president snow in a ballad oh, of songbirds in, in ballad of songbirds and snakes but i don't think we would call him an anti-hero in the hunger games <laughs> not in the hunger games no. and then i think that's like the difference between thron and palpatine who i think is villain completely because he only wants to serve himself whereas thron wants to serve other people and yeah he, he's looking for power not for power's sake either like palpatine which i think helps swing him in the spectrum back towards anti hero or maybe anti-villain is a better term like he's he's not quite I might be willing I might yet. be willing to give you anti-villain I can I can see okay <laughs> we're, we're coining some sort of term here with <laughs> I just I can't I can see him in error being completely just like villainous but then Pelion starts to like him and we like Pelion so we're kind of like what what the hell How, what are we supposed Doesn't to count do for taste Oh, Hellion is great, and he's that great mustache. All right, we can talk right. about this question forever. Thank you, Harrington, for making yes. us argue about this. That's such a good question. Okay, next, right. Sanders. What's next our next up? One? So we are going to give a shout out to Tori Wentworth. Um, mm-hmm. We need to give her some kind of a title for all the queries and questions she sent us. Yes. She gave us Tori, several what questions. Title would you like? <laughs> she gave us several questions for today, and of course, several of them also have multiple parts. So first question, and Colleen, I think you want to take this one to start us. Um, mm. How has Zahn built on the Throng character mm. from Legends into canon? We touched on this a little bit on our yes. last uh, episode when we were comparing Legends to canon. Yes. Yep. Uh, we did talk about this, like you said. I just wanted to throw in one more thing. We did get his true motivations, like how we were talking about in the last question. Like We want to know what his actual motivation is. Otherwise, his actions in the Air Trilogy are really monstrous. But in the 2017 novel, Thrawn, the canon novel, Eli asks Thrawn, like, why he seeks high command, because Thrawn is like, I will become a Grand Admiral in this many years. And Eli's like, mm-hmm, sure, you do you, dude. But he does. So he has this drive to him. And Thrawn, in his head, this is like one of his very few viewpoints that we get. He's like, hmm. A lot of people ask me this question and no one is ever satisfied with my answer, but we're going to give it a shot. And he says, quote, because there are problems that must be solved. Some cannot be solved by anyone but me. <laughs> uh, putting yeah, aside this like much. <laughs> delusions of grandeur. I mean, yes, he is like this staggering intellect and tactical genius, but damn, that's putting a lot on your shoulders. And that's, that's a lot for somebody who's in their 30s at this point to be like yep the galaxy must be saved and it must be saved by me <laughs> yeah that's some lex luthor stuff that's some lex luthor thinking oh right yeah there. he's a little megalomaniacal for sure um his importance is inflated in his head even though he is very important um this really shows what his state of mind is all the time basically he's always trying to push himself forward in order to save people i mean that's a good thing to want to save people even though it leads to some really awful actions on his part and of course this answer doesn't break through to eli eli just kind of is like okay i guess that's your answer Mm -hmm. and this is kind of sad thron actually wonders in his viewpoint if anyone would ever be satisfied with that answer or if they would ever understand maybe if you explained it i mean he's doing like yoda levels of vagueness here (laughs) <laughs> yes, he is. He, I think he's afraid of like brain explosions. Like if he actually tells people what's going on or what's out there that they just will not be able to deal with it. He's a lot like Dumbledore. He's got big Dumbledore energy here. He's like, 
I'm the smartest guy in the room. Some, um, he's also got some Colonel Jessup, though. A few good mm. men energy. You want me on that wall, you need me on that wall, and you don't want to yes. think about it. Yes. To be fair, now that I'm reading the new Jedi Order, I agree. They really did need Thrawn at that wall. <laughs> <laughs> but what do, you, what do you think, Anders, about this one? Uh, I mean, so kind of like we said last time, just kind of build it. The way that Zahn has been able to build Thrawn from Legends into canon, I think just having the space to truly flesh him out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most people before now probably only knew him as that kind of side character in the Air trilogy. There were other canon novels, mm-hmm. but having just that central trilogy and now the Ascendancy trilogy to really flesh this character out, take the things that worked, the things that you always wish you had time to explore. Mm-hmm. I do. I mean, it really is it's a good version of George Lucas re-editing the original trilogy and like adding the yes. scenes he wanted to add, adding the yes. effects he wanted to put in. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> it's the so good, true. It's, it's the good version of that. This is like <laughs> the sequel. The Air trilogy really is the sequel we deserved. I mean, I do enjoy the sequel trilogy, but the Air to the Empire trilogy is so damn good. It would have been really good, I know. Oh, it would have been fantastic. <laughs> All right. <Now> I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> All Moving right. on. Getting into get some uh, more, I guess you could call this some juicy history, some Spicy. juicy questions. Tori's next question <laughs> Will we ever see Thrawn's actual interpersonal history? Is he asexual, aromantic? What is his orientation? Um, also, want to give a shout out to Jason for asking whether Thrawn is as tactically gifted in the bedroom as he is on a Starship Bridge. So many of the questions we got, you guys, were about does Thrawn bang? And yeah, and so, who does he bang? Who does he bang? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think if he was ever attracted to someone, he wouldn't have the time to pursue it at this point. Um, he would want to put his entire like being behind something like that. His intellectualism, his tactical mind, he would want to be able to focus completely on a person if it was like, quote unquote, a relationship status. I think he probably uses sex as stress relief to some extent. Um, Mm. But to actually form a real relationship would take way too much effort for our dude. (laughs) Too much effort that he would have to push away from the bridge. And that's where he actually wants to be. Um, He's never really overtly interested in anyone sexually or romantically in canon or in legends. There's a lot of innuendo between him and Arlani and a few other characters. And he does get shipped with Eli a lot. But there's I think that's no more wishful thinking proof. on Eli's part. Oh, poor Eli. Mm. <laughs> Our sweet, sweet boy. But yeah, there's no definitive proof yet, you guys, if he does, if he's aromantic, asexual. I think he's pansexual. I think he'd probably be up for anything if he had the time. Okay. How about you? What are you thinking on our boy? So I think this answer... Just like the question having multiple parts, this answer has multiple parts. In terms of actual romantic attraction, I think Thrawn is asexual. I do not think he actually has strong sexual desire. I do not think he is actually attracted to somebody romantically, anybody. I personally do not think he has the capacity for that, um, which we'll get into a little bit down down the line here. Um, when we talk about his the specific relationships he does have, so in that sense, no. Now, that being said, I do think he would recognize sex as being capable of being used as like a tool or even a weapon. Mm. So if it would be a good means of intelligence gathering, yeah, he would totally throw on like a sociopathic facade and get oh. up to a little sex espionage. Sherlock? Do a um, Sherlock season. A little... Was that season two that he did the fake relationship? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, he would do that or I mean I wouldn't put it past him as just seeing like a little um, rough sex as like a efficient exercise routine so and in that sense sticks are unarmed (laughs) (laughs) and in that sense I do not think I don't know if pansexual is the right term for this because there is no actual attraction involved but I do not think he would mind or care who or what he was fucking in that sense um there we go. in that type of situation so there we have it everyone <laughs> thrawn will have sex with anyone we're just not sure if he's actually attracted to them <laughs> exactly 
I like that. I like that answer a lot. Oh, poor Thrawn. He'll be fine. Yes. Plenty so, of people are attracted to Thrawn. <laughs> yeah, you included. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. Mm. All right. The big chest tree, guys. He's mm. so Branching off of this question a little bit, um, a lot of people have asked about Thrawn's emotional ties and if he has any actual feelings towards anybody, whether they're romantic or platonic or whatever, does he actually feel for people? So we're going to take this chance now, dive into some of Thrawn's actual relationships that he does have. Um, since there's obviously no real romantic inclination, what's up with everyone else around him? They're mostly confused about everything he does just like us. Yeah. So Colleen, start us off with Arlani. Yes, Admiral Arlani. I love her. <laughs> if Thrawn doesn't love her, he's stupid, but that's a story <laughs> for another day. Um, she's his superior officer in every freaking way anybody could be, except she's not quite as smart as he is on the IQ scale. Uh, she's such a badass. It's her one weakness, actually, that makes her not quite as good as Thrawn is Thrawn. Like, he is her one weakness. She's willing to cover his ass. Like, whenever he fucks up, she's always there to be like, dude, really? Really? And Thrawn's just like, yep. Yep. I'm glad you're my friend. <laughs> good for me. Um, and she explains him to people, which I think is really good for someone like Thrawn to have, because she can actually tell people, oh, this is how he got from A to B to C. And they're like, really? You saw that? And she's like, I can see some of it some of the time. And other times she's just as surprised as we are. Um, I think she's more like his soulmate and best friend. I, I think they may have banged a couple times. Like they may have smashed just from all of the innuendo in Chaos Rising. Something happened. Like something has been going on with these two. I don't think they're a couple though, in the strictest sense. I don't think Arlani would allow that. And Thrawn certainly wouldn't be interested, I don't think, in that. Um, but she does bring out the best in him. She brings out that kind of funny, charismatic, and even kind, his kind side comes out when he's with her. He wishes she, that he could be like her. He says this in Chaos Rising a couple times, where he's like, oh, she sees people as quote-unquote people instead of assets to be moved around. And he appreciates her for her tactical mind and her authority, uh, even though he does pull a lot of maneuvers that she doesn't know about, like he doesn't clear things with her first. And I think he kind of does this just so she can yell at him later. Because he just shows up and he's just like kind of grinning, like, uh, I did something without your say so. I, I think that that is, I think there's a case for that. I'm going to say... It doesn't go beyond he appreciates her for her tactical mind. Things. Thrawn, I said it earlier, I just don't think he's actually capable of feeling affection for someone. See, I, think, I, do I think, not, think he is. I think, I think he is a total sociopath. So I think Aww. that he definitely appreciates her tactical mind. He appreciates what she can do for him and by extension his mission whatever that is because that's the only thing he actually is able to focus on is what is the mission mm -hmm. so you know he he turns on the charm for her or whatever that's not genuine oh, that's I think not it's very genuine i do not think it's genuine i think that's I think one of the reasons is. we're not getting i don't think that that's one of the reasons we're not in his pov it's because well, I mean, yeah we can't totally just, be there he just he knows too much well he knows too much but also i no, I don't think he actually, I do not think he actually feels something in his heart for her. Oh, that whole thing so about sad. not being able to see people as people, he can't see people as people. Therefore, but he does try. And I he think tries, that that's I, yeah, but Dexter tries. He does, but I think Dexter can also feel love. I think it's a different kind. It's not necessarily how we would feel that love is felt. I don't know if Thrawn's a sociopath. I think he has a different kind of mental disorder, if you will. I'm not exactly sure how to describe it because I'm not any sort of physician when it comes to medical <laughs> conditions or yes. mental conditions. True. I'm using, I use the term sociopath as just a general blanket. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. he does fit some of the criteria for that. I mean, we can break out the DSM-5 
and just see what's going on there. Um, I think he totally has the ability to do it, but it's hard for him. Like it's really difficult. He actually has to try. And that's super, super hard. It's like when they go on their little date, when he plans like the trip to the art museum and he's kind of worried and nervous. And I think that's adorable. That's where we get like the younger Thrawn who hasn't quite come into his own um, confidence yet. And I think that's right. why Arlani gets him so well too is because she knew him when he wasn't this uber confident. And I think that's partially, he says it person. He says it in that interaction. She's like, you thought I would enjoy an art museum? And he's like, well, yeah, because I do. Therefore, okay. <laughs> why do you, why, why do you not? <laughs> mm -hmm. Does not compute. <laughs> yeah, it just straight up doesn't compute, I think. Mm -hmm. But then but, he does worry if she's having a good time. So I think he he's does he, he tries. really though. And but but I why does he does. why does he want her to have a good time? What's the motivation behind that? So that I she will be on his side. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, he's recruiting. He's recruiting an ally, not making a friend. Two different things. I think they're friends. I think that if I don't think she's that easily manipulated. I think we're not putting enough stock in Arlani's character if we go that way. I think if she realized that he was using her, she would drop him. And I think she would realize it very quickly because she's very smart. But then But he's he an enigma blind. to everybody yeah, else. He is her blind side too, so it could be, but I'm still holding out hope that he is not completely irredeemably incapable of forming close emotional ties. Okay. Well Let's move on to your future second husband's character. I know. <laughs> Everybody loves Eli. Love Eli, Eli Vanto. Eli Vanto. Oh my God. I adore him so much. Um, I adore Eli more than Thrawn. Like, yes, I call him, quote unquote, my second husband. Sam Whitmer is my first husband, everybody. Uh, Eli is second husband and probably the person that I would most likely marry. Um, and I think Thrawn actually... We're going to get into another argument about <laughs> whether Thrawn and Eli are friends. Um, yep. I think that Eli <laughs> is probably the second most important person in Thrawn's life after Arlani. Eli is that kind of reluctant student and reluctant friend, especially at first. But he sticks with Thrawn no matter what, even though he's like, at the beginning, no, I don't want anything to do with this blue-skinned guy. Like, no, I don't care if I speak the language. He's Watson, basically. He gets pulled along on Thrawn's kind of Holmesian adventures and is our Very narrator. Sure. He's our narrator for Thrawn and for Thrawn Treason. And that's another thing where it's like, well, Sherlock is friends with Watson. I think that that kind of relationship is something that both Holmes and Thrawn could strive toward and would want to strive toward, even though they didn't realize they would want to. I think that's kind of why Eli is a surprising person for Thrawn. Um, I also love that Eli has no problem like admonishing Thrawn's behavior and yelling at him, even when Thrawn like starts climbing the ranks and is way outranking yeah. Eli. Eli still is like, no, you're being an idiot. What is happening? And Thrawn's just like, this is great. No one ever talks back to me. <laughs> Thrawn's just like, yo, I got a plan. Let's just do it. Yes. Okay. Yes. I, I love that though, that he's willing to actually talk back to Thrawn. And Thrawn's like, oh this is somebody I can actually like trust with stuff because he's willing to push back. Thrawn doesn't like people who just blindly follow orders. Um, and I think he is more of a friend than just an asset. Um, he's somebody that Thrawn can completely trust, which is something that Thrawn holds very deeply, which we'll see in another character later. I think that Eli's just so endearing and he mm -hmm. kind of bursts through Thrawn's initial kind of barriers that he puts up. I mean, Thrawn writes a whole fucking journal entry about friendship after <laughs> being with Eli. I mean, it's adorable. It makes him ponder that kind of idea of friendship more, mm -hmm. which makes me think like, oh, he's actually thinking about it. He's not just out here being like, I don't need any friends. Friends are just liabilities, which they kind of are. Mostly. Mm -hmm. Especially right. for people like Thrawn. What so do you think about our boy? <laughs> If there, if there was, <laughs> if there was a, a character who would take down my theory of Thrawn just not being able to actually feel anything for anybody, it would be Eli. It absolutely would be. They do appear 
to have this incredible thing. But going back to my theory about how Thrawn doesn't collect friends, he collects allies and assets. I mean, he does basically everything he's doing in that in that newer trilogy is actually to serve the chess. He even he tells Palpatine, if I am in your service, I am absolutely yours, mm-hmm. but I am also serving this greater plan. Yeah, I'm still a chess. I would I would I would think that, you know, Palpy would understand the idea of a grand plan. Mm-hmm. Um so everything Thrawn is doing, including basically turning Eli into a deserter and sending him yes. off to the ascendancy. Whoopsies. <laughs> just, be, just be like, yo, take an escape pod, go. Yep. And Eli, Eli does. Eli goes, though. Eli goes. Trusts, but that's what I think. So it's, that, so it's that. It's Arlani. It's all of these people. They are entranced by Thrawn. Mm-hmm. They they feel thing. He's a cult leader in that sense. He is a cult of personality. <laughs> He's got that cult yes. of personality. And, I mean, you look at events throughout that first Thrawn novel. Thrawn is climbing the ranks, climbing the ranks, climbing the ranks, and Eli like doesn't get a promotion until somebody like points out to Thrawn, by the way, he yeah. should have been promoted a while ago. Yeah. And Thrawn, like, without he it never occurred to him no. that this officer would maybe want a promotion and go along the ranks. Right. <laughs> well, and he didn't understand the politics of the situation either. Which he's like, but he should be promoted because he's a he's good at his job. Like that's what the military does. They promote people who are good at their jobs and he basically gets oh sweet summer child by everyone yeah. when he talks he about politics. And it's like a tactical mind like yours should be able to understand this, but all right. Right. So yeah. So and then, you know, he turns Eli into an asset, into an intelligence asset. He sends them he sends mm-hmm. him to the chess. Yep. Where he is hopefully going to be very useful. Yeah, where we think he's going to be useful, hopefully. He seems to be doing all right for himself when he comes back in treason. So yeah. He seems good. So, yes. If there was someone who I think Thrawn could possibly... Definitely Eli considers Thrawn a friend. Whether Thrawn yes. actually thinks of Eli as a friend in my book is still a little bit of a question mark. Because that's... Yeah, we everybody. don't have a viewpoint yet. We and need we to... don't. We need to know exactly what Thrawn's thinking, and that's really hard to do. Yep. All right, Car- Colleen, who's our next, next relationship? Next. Very Eli-esque character. This character came first because he is in Outbound Flight, where he, or he starts out Outbound Flight at his youngest, but he's also in other Legends books. His name is George Cardas. He's a Corellian who was kind of a privateer, pirate, smuggler, guy who ended up in just space and Thrawn picked him up and was like, Ooh, a new pet. <laughs> like, yay. Let's see what we can learn from these humans. This is going to be great. Um, I had no idea that he was going to be super important. I, I thought he was like a fun character because I read legends after Canon. So I was like, Oh, this is just Eli in a different form, but he's so different from Eli. He's got that thing though that Thrawn likes that kind of curiosity Thrawn is very enthralled by curiosity so he sees people who want to take the next step who want to learn who want to be taken under his wing and not even Thrawn's wing necessarily just somebody who has a creative mind he's Mm -hmm. like "Ooh, this could be good this could be interesting and Cardas kind of has that thing um, one of my favorite, I just read Choices of One a little while ago, which is another Timothy Zahn where Karda shows back up and he's older and he's kind of sick and tired and just like, oh my God. And Thrawn drags him on another adventure. <laughs> and Yeah, with no real consideration on yeah, if he wants to go, you know. Not really. I mean, Thrawn's just kind of like, will you help me with this? And George is like, Ugh. <laughs> I really don't want to, but I will. Um, but this book really helped clarify their relationship because Thrawn, even if this is maybe being manipulative, but Cardas knows him pretty well at this point, so he kind of knows if he is or not. Mm-hmm. He says, quote, you're the one, the only one I can trust. And I just thought that was really sweet. I mean, Thrawn, sweet. Thrawn is very not Trust and affection forward. are different things. Lupin right. trusted Snape because Dumbledore did. Doesn't mean he liked him. Well, that's true. Well, Cardas likes Thrawn. That's, that's Right, but I'm talking about yeah. Thrawn to... Thrawn to him. Oh, yeah. I mean, Thrawn I think Thrawn does like Cardas. Thrawn is when he was younger and they were together. This is the one person he actually showed. Young, idealistic. His outward, 
like kind of weariness too when he got hurt and Cardus did save his life or help save his life. So I think that's also in the mix there for Thrawn. Mm -hmm. um, Cardus does say though, quote, that Thrawn has left everything, his home, his people, his prestige, his life. He's dedicated himself to protecting these civilized parts of the galaxy against pirates, warlords, and distant nameless nightmares <laughs> that Cardus could barely even imagine. Yeah, the Yuuzhan Vong, yeah, they came. Yeah, you killed Thrawn. That's a whole nother problem. Um, I think this part in that book was really interesting because Thrawn doesn't relax around people ever. And he actually lowers his guard around Cardos. And I really enjoyed that part, like being able to see that part of the character. Showing That's interesting. That, so yeah, I, have not really I have not read Choices of One, so I can't comment officially on this. I mean, there is there does definitely seem to be some affection there. And I mean, we're into legends thrown at this point, especially when he's younger, like you could yeah. see him maybe having some of those walls down a little bit before he's like truly hardened by what he's seen in the galaxy. Um, so I'm open to the idea. I know I'm dragging Thrawn a lot during the, during no, this whole this thing. This is what we are here for. We're here to discuss. <laughs> I, do I do still enjoy him as a character. Let's just go on record with that. Yes. We're here to discuss him as a character and he's yeah. super complex. Like this is why we can talk about him as much as we can because there's so many layers to him. Mm -hmm. and that's why people like him. Like this is why he's a good villain or a good anti-villain or a good anti-hero <laughs> because we can actually dissect him as a character. Yes, because you're never quite sure what he's up to. You're never quite sure what he's thinking. Mm -hmm. But uh, what does Thalias think that he's thinking? Oh, mm, I love her too. Uh, I really hope she doesn't become a love interest because like we've said, Thrawn wouldn't be interested. And I also hope that she's just not into him that way. Like mm -hmm. she sees him as more of like a savior kind of person, someone who was there for her when she was younger. Um, but Cult's she's personality. Person. Yes, yes. But he started, he met her when he was like, I want to say 17 or 18. So I don't know if he could have cultivated yeah. that personality quite yet. This is now when he still me. kind of was kind. She is, she's the, she's the, Skywalker. Sky, she's the Skywalker turned caretaker. Yes. Yes. yes, the former Skywalker. And she's 13 when she loses her force abilities. And she's just distraught. And she meets Thrawn in a hallway because, of course, he's wandering around the ship where he's not supposed to be. And he sees her and he immediately, like, kind of connects with her or chooses to connect with her, probably because he knows she's a Skywalker and his sister was a Skywalker. Mm -hmm. I think that is another reason why we get to see him open up to Thalias is because of that connection. Um, and that could be another reason why Thrawn is more withdrawn or not great with his emotions because of what happens to his siblings. Like his sister is taken away when he's three. And in canon, we don't know if Thras is there as his brother yet, but we'll talk about Thras in just a bit. But just like not having his sister and knowing that anything and anyone in your life could be taken away for no reason. I'm sure he, he said he had to find out. He had to research what could have happened to her because his parents didn't tell him. Mm -hmm. So that kind of thing, I would think, would make him withdraw into himself. And Thalias comes out and is like, you know what? I followed you because I trust you and I believe in you. Because Thrawn, of course, is saying, well, Arlani's people follow her because they love her and they want to follow her. And my men follow me because they're good warriors. And that's just like, oh, dude, like... <laughs> sad I, you know what what's true is true i mean yes <laughs> but then also he does start to kind of do this thing where he can inspire people to actually follow him because they like him and admire him instead they are of enthralled by him that that also does help i, I don't <laughs> i don't think thalias is quite as much in the end because she kind of sees him be vulnerable she's like oh Okay, and I just had to go through a shit ton of trials so that I could outsmart this guy and be able to help you. So now you also owe me. That involved a lot of adapting on the fly, not knowing what the hell he was thinking or what was actually going on. Yes, he's until not good at like explaining. five minutes after the fact. Yeah, he's not good at explanations whatsoever. No. Um, I think that she's inspired by him, but also that he's going to have the ability to learn from her which is nice, which is why I'm like, yes, come on, Ascendancy, bring us more Thalias. I want to see them interact a little more. I'd agree on that one. What did you think of Thalias in 
Chaos Rising. I so I liked Thalias. I liked her as a character. I liked her as a POV character, especially. Mm -hmm. um, I'm very into learning more about the Skywalkers in the Chiss culture. War um, crimes, secret war personnel, child soldiers, <laughs> bitter children. <laughs> this is fine. <laughs> it's just it, it works. Everything's gonna be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I think that like I in my whole Thrawn can't feel theory here. Like I don't necessarily think he saw when she was like distraught in that hallway. He didn't see the total future plan that they were going to have together that would eventually happen. Mm -hmm. But would say that it is possible, you know, you're, you're a new officer on the ship. You see the ship's Skywalker in distress. That's not good in case you have to actually make a hyperspace jump. So mm -hmm. say what you got to say to get her to calm down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. um, and again, building yourself an asset. Mm -hmm. And he does for he sure. He does. He very much does. It's kind of interesting. He's, occasionally very good at reading emotional situations and then all of a sudden politics enters the equation and he's just gone yeah that's one of the reasons i just don't totally buy their explanation for you don't get politics because it seems to like come up yeah. when it's yeah. convenient and then in other situations it's just yeah. navigates it just fine right but that's a whole other thing <laughs> i think it's because he has built up that kind of group of people though who will protect him so that he doesn't have to focus on the politics as much. Yeah. He can just be like, oh, but Keith and Arlani got my back. This is fine. <laughs> and let's be real, if he was good if he was good at politics, then they would have they would invest in the uh the TIE Defender program over the Death Star and the mm. Rebellion would have been crushed. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Whereas Krennic, who you wouldn't think would be good at the political maneuvering, was That's really all he was good at. Yeah, and so that's why he, he had got to the money. recruit and steal the scientists to do the actual work. Yes, <laughs> but all right, that's a whole, whole <laughs> other deal. Yes, yes. We're, mm, we should on move on to, to our next Skywalker. Yes. <laughs> Colleen, who is our next Skywalker? Sherry. <laughs> I love her. She's so cute. <laughs> She's so cute and sassy. And Thrawn does have a soft spot for her. I think just because of her youth. And the fact that she's an underdog. He, he's an underdog. So I think he appreciates that she also is this Skywalker who is talented, but who's been kind of shuffled around to different caregivers mm -hmm. and who is seen as kind of like a problem child. <laughs> Whereas he's just like, maybe she just needs to be pushed a little bit and see what she can actually do. Um, I think that this also helps him connect with the force sensitive kind of thing, which will help him in a galaxy far, far away. He's actually like, oh, okay, I kind of understand the force thing, even though we don't call it the force. And it only manifests in these young girls normally. We have not yet met one Chiss male, at least in canon, who has force sensitivity. No, they've mentioned that they exist though, I think, right? Yes. Yes, like it's they, it's they rare, but it happens. Mainly girls. Yeah, and then they don't know why their power leaves them so early in age, because as far as we know, the Jedi they never lose their connection to the Force. So something is going on, which is what Eli is up to in treason, trying to find out what's going on with this information. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to Sherry, I think Thrawn likes her also bluntness. She's very blunt. She says what she wants. And she's willing to learn from him. He does love a willing student also when he teaches yes. her how to fly. It is so adorable. But then he also shows that he trusts her to stay with the ship when he goes gallivanting off with Anakin. He's like, oh, yeah, Sherry, this is fine. You stay with the ship. You're like nine. This is okay. <laughs> I thought that part was yeah. crazy. Like, that's a little bit on the negligent side. Yeah, well, that's... And so... I think Which that also is like, I, lo I loved Cherry. Yeah. She was such a sweetheart. Um, her relationship with Thalias was just really cool to see that develop. Momish. Yeah, very momish. momish. But this actually goes to, I mean, other than the former Skywalker, it's just the Chiss in general. This isn't necessarily Thrawn. This is the Chiss in general. They treat these Skywalkers effectively as machinery. Yeah. They are not people. They are no. 
they are a part of the navigation system. Yes. And that I think they are an asset, but they are just, so even that you just mentioned him, like leaving her with the ship, well, she's effectively just part of the ship at that point. Mm -hmm. Like she's not. It's like she can fly now. (laughs) She, yeah, she doesn't need to do anything other than stay, eat and Mm -hmm. stay alive and whatever. Yes. So, I mean, making her feel comfortable and happy just effectively makes her a more efficient piece of machinery. Yes. In a way. Which I have a problem with in general. So, like I said, that's not total, that's not yeah. just Thrawn, that's the chist in general. Child yes. slavery is not necessarily a good thing. Oh, exactly. I think Thrawn at least treats them well. And if that's a means to an end for him, that's not great, but at least he does show them like, yeah. deference and care. I remember when they found the really young one, I think she's like seven in Treason, when they find her on the mm-hmm. risk ship. And Thrawn is like, no, we are not talking to her. Arlani is talking to her. Like, we are not going anywhere near her. We need to make sure she's okay first before we start doing stuff. True. And that part, at least, I was like, okay. So Thrawn has a basic grasp of, no, this is not the time. <laughs> <laughs> to be treating her like a freaking piece of machinery, which gives me hope. Like, good job, Thrawn. <laughs> At least you've got something going for you there. Oh, All right, man. Colleen. You mentioned him earlier. Let's get into it. Ross. <laughs> oh, my boo. I love how many you. How many so boos much. do you have in this? How many chists do you have on the side? Not many. Well, Thras is dead, so that is totally out of the equation now. In Legends, so is oh, Thrawn. Oh, man. Well, yeah, that is also true. In canon, though, he's still alive. In canon, Thras is still dead. <laughs> or never existed. No, he's there. He's in, he is in, Chaos, he's in Chaos Rising. He's mentioned. His full name. Uh, okay. His full name is mentioned. Okay. With the, the incident with the Vagari pirates. Oh, that's right. He's like, and also this person is dead. And I was like, oh, yay, it's Thrust. But also, <laughs> no, he's dead again. Timothy Zahn, we're going to have words, sir. So this is Thrawn's sarcastic, cranky as fuck brother. Don't know if he's older or younger. I kind of push towards younger, especially in canon, when he says that his sister was like two years older than him. I can see it being like a chist thing where they have two two years to yeah and just mm-hmm. kind of go in order I think that might, yeah and so i kind of saw him as like the younger brother the ever suffering younger brother um thras was actually able to surprise Thrawn. overshadowed by his intelligent yes. brother and his yes. graceful skywalker sister yes very much so even though he is a syndic so he has some power he he knows his brother too is going to have much more of an illustrious life than he is so he's always exasperated like why why are you doing this i have to drag my ass out here with arlani to get you out of trouble and thron's like you didn't have to come all this way what's up bro <laughs> like this part is where i'm like okay thron actually can feel because he loves his brother there is so much interaction between them in outbound flight that is just so adorable like Thrawn loves to needle him. He loves to tease him. He's just, he smiles. Like it actually says that Thrawn smiles, like not grins or like smirks. That's like, interesting. Olan smiles when he is surprised by his brother being there. And I was like, oh my God, they're so cute. <laughs> this is so adorable. <laughs> I love them. Um, Thras is basically a true one. Like he will do anything to protect his brother. Even if that means kind of, betraying him a little bit to keep the family honor in line Mm -hmm. mostly he's like please don't waste your shot like "Mm, please like we're both married adoptives into this family don't get us chucked out there's this really cute quote between the two of them from outbound flight where thron says quote we were both born as commoners Mm, underdogs i can live that way again if i have to could you interesting but I'll Maybe. do what I can to assure that the Aeth family doesn't release or rematch you on my account. And Thras, Thras says back, sassy, just, quote, I'm not worried about my own position because I'm that good. I'm trying to keep my brother from throwing away a fine and honorable career for nothing. So they're just so So they're adorable. just both, they're both, they're Sam and Dean Winchester. They're both yes. just like willing to sacrifice themselves for the yes, other one constantly. Exactly. And there's no Every question about this. Day. 
So I just imagine Thoress just like fucking face palming his way through every interaction with his brother. Just being like, oh my God, really? This is what we're doing. One of his last wishes though was that humans and Chiss could work together. So I'm kind of hoping for this to happen in canon because it does happen in Legends. They form the Empire of the Hand and it's humans and Chiss and other species working together. Interesting. So I'm kind of like, this could happen. It could happen in canon. Although it could happen with Ezra, which would be very, very cool. If that was the human and the Chiss that started working together. I don't know. I mean, I can see it. I don't, I don't think you've gotten to meet the, Thress yet. I haven't officially met Thress yet, no. Um, like I said, I have not read Out on Flight, but after this, I do officially. I need to put it on the list, definitely. It's going to make you so mad. Yeah. <laughs> then we can all be furious together. That's going to be fine. It, it'll be all right. I'll, be, I'll, I'll power through it. <laughs> yes. Well, Tori thought that that's what would happen, and then... Mm. Nope. <laughs> it's like nope i'm mad also like, yay! <laughs> let's be mad together okay speaking of tori, tori yes let's move on to tori's last question is thron's mentor relationship with eli vantos psychologically based on the chis practice of merit adoption are they friends idea. or does thron not question. have friends <laughs> and we kind of cover this a little bit with yes. the friendship angle. Yes, I, I'm not sure. I'm not convinced Thrawn actually has friends. Right. I think there yes. are people who consider Thrawn a friend. Yes. I am not positive that Thrawn actually considers anyone else a friend. That And that, I can see it a little bit with some people, like Yularen. Probably is like, oh yeah, Thrawn's my friend. He's my buddy. And Thrawn's like, you work for the ISB, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know if we can ever really be friends. You're not, you are definitely an asset. Um, Thrawn definitely likes to build these merit, like kind of merit adoption, quote unquote, relationships with people where mm -hmm. he grooms them for command and he takes them under his wing, like Karen Farrow from the canon trilogy, who yeah. I love and I really hope she's not dead. We hope, need her not to be dead because I really like her. I want to read that journal entry that Thrawn wrote and then he gave this journal to Eli, another form of could be mental psychological manipulation on Thrawn's part. But I don't think he was going to give this to Eli until the very end, because all of the other entries in the journal seemed like just Thrawn talking to himself. Yeah, they really were. And writing kind of his memoirs kind of situation. Whereas this one seems like it has a very particular purpose and aim. So this is from his last journal entry to Eli, quote, It is said that one should keep one's allies within view and one's enemies within reach. A valid statement. One must be able to read an ally's strengths so as to determine how best to use them. One must similarly be able to read an enemy's weaknesses so as to determine how best to defeat him. But what of friends? Friends. <laughs> there is no accepted answer. Friends. friends. Perhaps true friendship is so exceedingly rare. For Thrawn especially. Definitely. But I formulated my own because of course he fucking has formulated his own opinion. A friend need not be kept within sight or within reach. A friend must be allowed the freedom to find and follow his own path. If one is fortunate, those paths will for a time join. But if paths separate, it's comforting to know that a friend still graces the universe with his skills and his viewpoint and his presence. For if one is remembered by a friend, one is never truly gone. And that is one of the things that lit up in my head being like, okay, Thrawn is actually thinking actively about this mm -hmm. and it makes me think that he didn't want to send Eli like but then he had to convince himself that no you don't keep a friend with you just because you want them to be with you you have to kind of let them go let him go to Chiss space and see what he can do because he could be useful there and he could kind of see his true potential there and that is one reason why I think that Eli is actually Thrawn's friend, because he didn't keep him with him, mm -hmm. which is also really sad. If you love like, him, let him go. Yes. That's the only reason where I'm like, oh, <laughs> Eli, you're actually Thrawn's friend, because people like Arinda Price and the Emperor are basically means to ends to Thrawn. Absolutely. They are 100%. Just not even close to anything resembling a friend, whereas Eli and people like Pharaoh, I kind of think are on a different tier. And Eli is like on the top tier for Thrawn. Very much which so. Which could make him a very difficult weak spot also. Very true. 
I love this idea of the of building these relationships kind of based on that merit adoption system. Mm -hmm. Also, from what we very, very just and from what we've seen of that, that whole system is about finding and recognizing and building talent and assets. Mm -hmm. It's very much you are, I mean, it's in the name, merit adoptive. You're not doing this based on how much we like you. We're doing this based on what use we think you will be to us. Yes. And so Thrawn mimicking that system nice in his personal life. Yes. <laughs> yes. Very, very much a, uh, a mob mafia mentality of mm -hmm. building, of building a little empire. Mm -hmm. And the idea that Thrawn is potentially doing that open to the possibility, maybe, you know, people like Eli are and do become actual genuine relationships, but he is truly seeking out those that will serve his grander plan, his grander idea, mm -hmm. which as far as we know at this point is keep the Chiss, keep the Chiss ascendancy safe. Yes. Yes. From unknown from it for a long while. Ultimately, we find out it's the Gris. So. Mm -hmm. That's going to be interesting. We don't yes. know enough about them yet either. No, but this does lead us into our next question, mm. Aline. Mm -hmm. A couple of the other questions we got were about Thrawn's motives. Like, what do we think his ultimate goals are? Mm -hmm. We talked a little bit about this because he said he basically wants to protect the Chiss, obviously, but he also wants to protect the galaxy in order to protect the Chiss, in order to protect everyone. Basically, he just wants to be the leader who saves everybody. Uh, obligatory Dun Dunk appearance. Yep, Duncan Duncan is here to say hi, everybody. Loath cat sighting. Get down, please. He'll stay here for like a hot second. Yeah. Um, I think Thrawn, his end game is that protection. Like he knows that there's so much crazy shit out there. He tells Cardas, quote, we all strive to build empires, mm, empires, whether of stone or people or words, empires we hope will survive us. In the end, though, each of us must leave our creations behind. All we can hope for is also leave behind a worthy successor to continue our work. Or who can at least maintain it for a season? <laughs> Basically, Hamilton, what is a legacy? Like, this is Thrawn's <laughs> legacy. Or was supposed to be, was to keep everybody safe from the Grisk or the Yuuzhan Vong. That is his ultimate goal. He doesn't, he doesn't believe in democracy per se, even though it seems like the Chiss are fairly democratic in their or hey, Republican, I like with their the nine families, kind of like a Republican Senate. Yeah, situation. but it's just the nine families. Like there are there plenty of families. I mm -hmm. mean, yeah, the entire. I, I would not call we them democratic. Yeah. I would call them an oligarchy. If yeah, oligarchy. But I don't think he believes in an empire either, per se, because he's like. Palpatine at least is a strong central leader figurehead, but then he finds out that Palpatine is petty and actually not that great of an administrator, especially as he gets older and starts pitting people against each other. And Well, no, but that's why he has Masameta. <laughs> yes, so useful in his role, <laughs> Masameta. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, yeah, I, he finds out because he gets denied the funding for the tide of Ender program, like sometimes that really stubborn central vision can lead to ruin. Like it's yeah. not, you kind of do need a little bit more of a democratic process. He does say like, yes, voices should be able to be heard, which is like, yeah, he listens to other people when he asks them questions, but ultimately he is going to go with his own thoughts. Yes. Even though occasionally he does say, you know, your idea was actually better than mine. It's like, Hmm. Strong words coming from Thrawn there. I mean, he wants, I don't know if he wants to be a hero per se, but he wants to be the leader that can save everybody. I will say he does not care if he gets the credit. No. Ultimately, he, really he does, does not. not. That is one thing I will definitely put in his favor. He doesn't care about the credit. No, just so it gets done. Yeah. Like he said, he wants to build an empire of stone words people so that everyone is protected. And that's why he's so against the New Republic. He's like, well, five million billion voices are going to want their voice heard, so it's not going to be able to protect us. Mm -hmm. Which, now that I'm reading the New Jedi Order, was fair. Was a very <laughs> fair assessment. Interesting. <laughs> like, I mean, it really comes up in a 
comes up in Bloodlines and a little mm. bit in the Aftermath trilogy. I mean, mm-hmm. once Mon Mothma steps down as that central chancellor. Yes. Then all fucking chaos breaks out. Mm. But life is messy. Other, what are your other thoughts on that? Like, what do you think? Do you think Thrawn will be successful? Like, what are we <sighs> heading towards here? I know. I don't know. Ezra this is, fucked this is, everything up. <laughs> no, Ezra saved everybody. <laughs> yes, Ezra saved everybody. I think Ezra actually saves Thrawn, too. I think that's going to come into play. Potentially. I mean, I his ultimate goals at this point, I think he is just so tunnel visioned on the mission. Mm-hmm. And the mission is protect the Chiss Ascendancy. Whatever that might look like, whatever you have to do to make that happen. Mm-hmm. His current, well, I guess now former plan was utilize the Empire, mm-hmm. utilize that Imperial Navy. Mm-hmm. You know, we find out in Chaos Rising, the New Republic, or not the New Republic, sorry, the Old Republic. Mm-hmm has shields and thing and navigation yes. beyond anything that just could have which and is droids. kind of what and droids mm-hmm. you know hey we use we use humans as slaves droids are no problem at all yeah. um so knowing that and you said this kind of towards the top i'm not i'm on the fence if it is delusions of grandeur or just straight up arrogance yeah. or what it is that says things need to be solved i'm the only one who can solve them yeah what made him think this i don't know where did he get this preemptive strike idea from like why is he so divergent from the others like why is he caring answers i hope we get answers i hope we get in the ascendancy trilogy that we did not go far back enough in in the Mm -hmm. flashbacks not yet you guys will give my Full thoughts on all of those flashbacks when we do that. <laughs> yes, we do that. yes, we will. In pod three. <laughs> next Wait time. For it. Next time. <laughs> yes, can't get too much on that. No, but I mean, yeah, he wants to be the savior, but without, he doesn't care about the glory part. Yeah. And I don't know if that's ultimately just brainwashing on behalf of the ascendancy, if that's something innate in him. I don't know. Just trying to bring the myth name more glory. Yes. <laughs> but now the other, the last kind of, the last thing we have here today is kind of when we're going to get some of these answers. We know we have two more books coming in the Ascendancy Trilogy, but I mean, we've speculated on this a little bit throughout these episodes here, throughout our Sabine um, series. Mm-hmm. But this question comes to us from Sith Lord Yasser. And it's when are we actually going to physically see Thrawn on screen again? So if you are, mm. if we are Lucasfilm, we are planning this out. What is the plan? Are mm. we, is he showing up in the Mandalorian? Is there going to be an Ahsoka Sabine series that they come into? Do he and Ezra get their own separate thing? Is it a streaming? Is it animated live action, theatrical Oops. release? <clears throat> I think it's people's. <laughs> You think it's going to be all be in book? I I don't think it's all going to be in book. I really want Zaloni and Zaloni. Yeah, I want yeah. Zan and Dave Filoni, <laughs> which is Zaloni, to team up and do like two. I want them to do movie or show book and kind of go back and forth between the two. I think that would be really cool, mm-hmm. just to include both mediums. I think if they did Zan that, involved. I think if they did that, it would the book would actually be a um, it'd be a comic. Oh, yeah. And it could definitely be a comic for sure. I think Zahn could write dialogue for that easily mm-hmm. in the story. Um, I'd love to see Lee Pace play Thrawn. I think he would be amazing. That would be a good one. That would a be a good one. like Benedict Cumberbatch because he has that energy. He has he that short energy. But Lee Pace. And they're done that. Halt and catch fire. I mean, he could be amazing in this role. And he's super tall. So that fits Thrawn. Like, I think Thrawn he does, yeah. Tall. And I'll say it, I think Mickelson's too old to play him live action at this point, even though he does such a good job as the voice. Yeah. He's yeah, I, just he too doesn't, old. He doesn't look enough like Thrawn yeah. either, I don't think. this That actually, we kind of went into Stacey Paul Adams's question, like, who's our dream casting? But yeah, Lee Pace, I wish that 
I could, I could, I could, I could see Lee Pace. I could definitely see Lee Pace. I could almost see where it would work. It would be, it would be interesting to see. I'm not a hundred percent on this, but um, the younger Skarsgård, the one who plays, the one who plays Pennywise, Bill. I think that's Bill. Bill Mm -hmm. He could be interesting. I think he's he's a little little too thin faced. A little too thin. Yeah. I mean, but it would be interesting. Alexander Skarsgård even is a little too thin. I think you have to have a little bit of bulk. I think Alexander. Like the Skarsgårds would be an excellent choice just because they are so like limber and move so interestingly. Yeah. I think that would be a cool choice. But ultimately, I mean, if I'm at Lucasfilm, I mean, I would think that you're exploring every option you can at this point. I this is gonna this is this is really tough actually because Thrawn made such a compelling villain. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you build something around him. Because if you build something around him, you have to turn him into an anti-hero or ultimately a full-on redemptive hero. Yeah, does he get a redemption? Does he? Does he? I don't know. Because I think I mean, you can get so much more out of him. You can you can still do some some interesting in stuff with him, with him being the antagonist. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you can do that if you have something if you have a series that focuses on him and Ezra, and Ezra exclusively. Right. That, that would puts have him to be too central. Grisk focused. Like it would have to be. It would either have to be Grisk or it would have to be just Civil War. Yeah. Where you could get a compelling villain to be beside Thrawn. And we're in a different character's main POV. Yeah. We're not yeah. with Thrawn all the time, every time. Right. It, it could turn into too much of a good thing. Could it? I would nor. <laughs> I think love it to could. watch him fight with Eli or Eli. I'd love to watch him fight with Ezra for like an entire show. I'd be fine with that. I'd be fine with it, but I think I wouldn't enjoy the story of it as much. It depends um, on what, what they want to do. Like, where do they true. want Thrawn to go? Are they aiming for him to be heir to the Empire Thrawn? Like, are they aiming for him to be killed by a subordinate for crimes against the New Republic? Know. Or are they going to have him in the Unknown Regions with a Chiss Civil War, which seems to be building from Definitely, the they are... If everything we've gotten from that at this point suggests that there's going to be just civil war. If they do that, which is what the I am going to assume. I am going to say that also it's going to stay animated. Mm, If they go that route, I'm saying it stays animated. It is not going to be a live action thing. Right. Um, If it's live action, I can see them being like, in the very last episode of a Sabine and Ahsoka show. Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, they kind of stumble across them and are like, oh, shit, you were here this whole time. Right. Then I can kind that, of see I'm just, live action. And I'm actually just going to say that's just kind of from a straight budgeting perspective. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And a current state of the world mm-hmm. perspective. Yes. <laughs> Animation and voice work is easier to pull off right now so than, much uh, than live action so stuff. Much and just from a pricing thing, I mean, if you think of the actual budget it would take to do a civil war, big battle thing, it that would have, have to be a, be a film. That would have yeah, to, yeah, have that needs movie. a film budget. I can see um, them doing like the series, then like do a TV series leading up to a movie. Could be, like, and I think it would be it would be way. a good one. It would be a good one to lead into an animated movie again. Mm-hmm. I liked the Clone Wars movie. Don't come at me. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes, I thought it was fun. <laughs> it is. It is fun. I think it's. A, I think it's cute. I think that Obi Wan is perfect in that movie. <laughs> they found the exact perfect person to play him. The interactions with Anakin and Ahsoka are fantastic. Yes. Yes, there are really good parts to the movie. I think people were disappointed because it wasn't what they thought it would be. It's never what they thought it would be. People no. were dis- people were disappointed when Phantom Menace when Phantom Menace was not a shot for shot remake of A New Hope with Anakin as Luke, and then they were pissed when Force Awakens was, was. a shot for shot remake of A New Hope with, with Ray. Ray as Luke. Like we want it just like A New Hope. <laughs> well, here's the Force Awakens. Here it not is. Not like that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, fans, we're great, you guys. <laughs> yes, but so Colleen, let's let's throw down our um, mm. let's throw down our our chips on the table right now. Though mm. we are, I think when this episode comes out, we'll be a week or two into um, Mandalorian oh. season two. Mm-hmm. Yes. Will we see Thrawn in Mando season two? Yes or no? I'm going to say no. I would also say no. I, I don't think no. it's likely that that he shows up. I can see maybe season three, maybe, but I think they want to stay focused more on um, Din and the child. I think mm-hmm. if anything, season two will be a glimpse of Ahsoka and Sabine, and then that will be a springboard into their show, like backdoor pilot situation. I could see that. I would. Would agree I like with to that. see Thrawn? Yes, yes, I'm I sure would. You would, <laughs> but I don't think we're going to see him. Do. You? No, I don't think he shows up in Mando season two. Wishful thinking. Back half of season three would be the earliest I would put him in. Mm -hmm. I can see that. Although Michael Bean, we don't know who he's playing yet. (laughs) (laughs) This is true. I I hope it's not Thrawn, but (laughs) no. (laughs) But we don't don't know who he's playing yet. So yeah, I think that was our last question. I think so. All right, you guys. Well. We're going to have to say goodbye now. (laughs) That's all the questions we have for today, though I'm sure there are more to come for the Grand Admiral. Join us again next week to geek out together in our final, well, final for now, Thrawn-centric piece, a review and critique of Thrawn Ascendancy, Chaos Rising. Read it if you haven't. Yes, please read it. It is excellent. Timothy Zahn hasn't lost a beat in 30 years, you guys. (laughs) <laughs> and we'll also be continuing to cover Mandalorian Season 2, as Andrew said. If you prefer, you know, some people prefer it, to enjoy us in our podcast format, you can find us on iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the meantime, help us grow by heading to our YouTube channel, where you can see our little faces, and subscribing, and telling other nerdy knights to join us. That really does help, you guys. And also, smash that like button if you like it. Thank you all for joining us today. We'll see you next time. Check out our show notes on how to reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And reach out to us via email at bohemiangeekstudies at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Cherix up. And keep those episodes streaming. So long, everybody. Cheers. Finish the wine.